0: What a great morning. I am glad that you have chosen to, to be here with us and worship with us. Can you be a good leader and still be a good Christian? Can you? Is it, it's hard though, isn't it? It almost sounds like, you know, on the, on the one side, if I'm going to be a good leader, then I need to be effective, efficient. I have to be successful. I have to be driven. I have to push. I have to charge forward. And I have to be demanding, have high expectations. And then on this side over here, as a Christian, I'm supposed to be humble. I'm supposed to be meek. I'm supposed to be, you know, gracious and kind. The two almost seem to be at odds with each other, don't they? To be a good Christian, to forgive, to be kind to be generous, and yet over here to actually say, hey, we're gonna get things done, and we're gonna get it done right, and we're gonna get it done well, and it's gonna happen now. It's kind of hard, isn't it? It's hard to be able to play both lines. Now, if if you're in here and you haven't ever led, then, then this probably isn't for you. I'm sorry, but if you've led any kind of team, whether it's been in high school and it's been just a little group of people, whether it's been in college, whether it's been in in your line of work, if you've managed or you tried to lead in any way, this message is for you. There are moments and times in which you are placed in a position in which you are to lead, but yet if you lead and lead well, The problem is, is our leadership understanding is maybe just a little skewed, it's a little messed up. And we we struggle with the tensions of being a good Christian and actually still being a good leader. Now, here's what I've asked. I've asked Chad McCurdy, are you in here? Chad, would you come on up here? Um, Chad is a, a business leader. Um, um, he actually runs several businesses. And uh, on top of that, he's, he's part of, uh, he's a chair of our finance committee. And so I've asked him to talk about this tension and kind of talk a little bit about what it means to be a good leader and a Christian at the same time. So would you welcome to the stage, Chad McCurdy.
1: Let's try this again. Yeah, let's try it. <laughs> Well, we'll try this a, a second time. Um, the the first service, the I've got some slides that I use kind of as my, my cues and uh, uh, my thought cards. They're behind me. What about up there? I have to turn around. No. All right. So so the, the first one, um, the first the first slide that I that I had was a was a quote from J. C. Watts. Um, And J.C. Watts is, uh, uh, he's an Oakey. He was a quarterback's coach for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, He was also a uh, congressman from Oklahoma from, uh, I think it was 94 to 2003. And then uh, he also is a Baptist minister. Um, And, you know, I I, I keep this kind of... uh, uh, quote in this principle in the back of my mind all the time that, that true character is doing the right thing when you absolutely know that no one else is watching you. You've got no one that, that, that you're really accountable to other than yourself and, of course, to God. Um, and, and in business, you know, too many times people just assume that uh, the only objective is, is, is making more money. And to make as much money as possible, you want to change the slide for me, please. I think we're all familiar with the scripture verse that the that says the the love of money is the is the root of all evil. But you know, we we may not understand why. You know, you can. I think that uh, you, if you look at the things that go on Wall going on, on Wall Street and and uh, they go on in the business world, um, it, it's greed. And the uh, absolute obsession with making more money is what causes us. Now, of, of course, the whole purpose of business is to make money, um, but that it's got to have a purpose. It's not an, an end unto itself. You know, somebody one time, uh, for example, asked J.P. Morgan, uh, "How much money is enough?" And you know, J.P. Morgan's response was a little bit more. Um, you know that that can't be the sole purpose for your life, and it certainly shouldn't be. as As Christians, should not be the driving force of of why we're even why we're in business. Much less, um, you know, a, a principle of our faith. You can switch the slide for me, please. You know, this is a this next one is a quote from Zig Ziglar. It talks about you know just talking about what is success and the the. Success is in you know in in following this quote is the journey itself um, we're to keep working, keep striving, and keep making efforts to not just improve ourselves but to make the world a better place for us having been here um, and and I think that not only is this absolutely relevant in business, I think it's more relevant in business because there there's you know there's nothing more. Ungodly and worldly than, than, than the realm of business. I'll go to the next one. This is a a a, a parable that uh, that you know that I think probably most of you are probably familiar with the parable of the sower, um, but from a business perspective, uh, it takes on a little bit different meaning. The uh, if you think about the sower and sowing the seed and going about your going about your work. You don't know when you're out doing your work. Some of it is, is not going to be very fruitful. Some of the seed is going to fall on thorny, in thorny ground. Some of it's going to be swallowed up before you ever see any return on your efforts. Some of it, you know, um, is, is going to look like it's going to work out and then it fails. But some of it will prosper. And so it, I, I believe that as Christians, we're called to, to continue to work, to keep making an effort regardless of, you know, what the outcomes might look like because some of it is going to produce a return. And I I think that that's, you know, part of being faithful to the church is also being faithful in your work because the the people on the outside, they, you know, they see our efforts, um, especially if... If people in your workplace know you're a christian, it's even more important that uh, that you're honoring these principles um, Another parable that I didn't put in here was the parable of the talents and I, I think that you know we all look at that in this, in the spiritual sense, but you also if you look at that in the in the physical sense at you know kind of a superficial level, but you know the it's the story of the master that that uh, gave the the talents out. Um, he gave five to one, two to another, and, and one to a third. And the one that got the five talents, re- you know, returned five more talents. So he gave him ten back. The one with two talents gave him back two talents. But the one that only got the one talent just went and buried it in the ground. And the master cursed that servant because he didn't even place the, the money where he could have gotten interest on, on what, he had, uh, what he had given him. So we're called to be diligent um, in, in your work. And I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the parable of the sower. You know, one of the other principles in business, and, and this is a, a quote from, uh, from a movie. I love movie quotes. So if anybody knows me, they, they've probably heard me quote movies before. But uh, from the movie Batman Begins, uh, Thomas Wayne is, is helping his son up and asks him, says, do you know why we fall? We fall so we can learn to get back up. And, and as Christians, you know, we are called to walk the path. We're going to fall, but we're also called to get back up. And, you know, the, it kind of this proverb kind of follows along that, that same vein. That, you know, as, as a righteous man, you may fall seven times, but each time you will get back up. And we have to show the world that... Even though things don't always work out the way we had planned them, um, that we will continue to get back up and it 's through Christ that we're able to do that if Some of the things that uh, you know, that Candace and I have been through since we 've been married, if, if it wasn't for Christ, there's no way that, that we could have kept going um, you know, we've we've had a number of challenges. Those of you that know us know that we have a we have a son that's special needs, and uh, you know, not only have we seen him him progress and, and blossom, but we've also seen many many lives that have been touched because of that little boy. And seeing that makes it makes it easier for us to uh, to continue on. He that is faithful. You know, you don't start out by... Uh, and I, I'm just going to use an investment. Uh, you don't start by somebody coming to you and saying, you know, I'm going to give you a million dollars to invest. They want to see first that you're going to be faithful. That you're faithful to to, to your work. Um, people look to see that you're faithful in your in your life. And you know if you're if you're not then you, you know people are not going to trust in you and the and the further downside of that is that being a christian you have the also you have the potential to affect people's potential belief in christ so you know once again it's just another principle that it's very very important that you continually demonstrate a belief in Christ, and that you walk that walk, not just, you know, not just put the the fish sticker on the back of your car. You know, and by the way, I don't know if anybody's got those. Those are the worst drivers on the road. Uh, But uh, let's go to the next slide. You know, one of the things, and, and Candace asked me, she said, so when I was getting ready for this, Candy said, so are you going to get up there and tell people that if somebody tells you they're a Christian businessman that you put your hand on the wallet and turn around and run the other way? I said, well, maybe. (laughs) But unfortunately, um, this is something I've seen all too often, is that people come to you and they approach you first as being a Christian businessman for the purpose of getting you to let your guard down. And, you know, you should first approach, you know, in in my belief is that first, I'm honest, I'm judicial, I'll always try to do the right thing, and yes, I'm a Christian. You want to go to the next slide? And, and I think that this scripture kind of backs that up. We're not to swear by heaven or by earth. We're not to make promises on, on anything, but let our, our yes be yes and our no be no. And, and leave it at that. And, and I'm a, I'll close with this. And, you know, even when things are very difficult and very dim and very dark... Uh, and through all the things that, that Candace and I have walked through, we have, at the end of the day, been able to look back and see that there's been a purpose to everything and that all things work together for good for, to those that love God and are called according to His purpose. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Chad. It's nice to see and nice to know that there are Christians who are actually able to really be good Christians and good leaders at the same time. Colossians chapter four, you have your Bibles, get ready, here we go, we're ready to dive in. Colossians chapter four, today we're talking to you. As a leader, if you find yourself leading and managing teams, if you find yourself leading people, how are you supposed to do it? The last few weeks we've talked about how that we are to to lead and to to work well, understanding the authorities over us. We talked about doing the right things. And now today we talk to those as you lead. You see, I find myself in in a very peculiar situation. I feel like God has called me to teach. Not only to teach, but to teach in such a way that people can understand and hear God's word. That's what I'm doing, what I feel like God has called me to do. I love discipling people. I love spending one-on-one time walking them through and helping them understand the word of God. But yet, one of the strange things that occurs is that I'm also a leader. I'm also called to be a business man. During the week, it might come as a surprise, but I don't pray all day long. Maybe some of you already knew that. You could tell by my life, I don't know. I during the week I'm called to look at budgets, I'm called to deal with personnel, I'm called to deal with actually other things. I'm called to deal with the business side of the church, and yes, the church has a business side. And it creates sometimes a tension. How am I supposed to be a good pastor? How am I supposed to do what God has called me to do and at the same time be a leader? Colossians 4. You have your Bibles, please stand for the reading of God's word. Colossians 4. Here's where we're at today. We're here, and it says in verse 1, it says, Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a what? A master in heaven. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for this moment and this time. God, we are here. We've heard a testimony. God, we've been challenged through the testimony. God, we've heard how that... Through the song, you've heard our voices lifted up to you. God, I pray that they would be a sweet sound to your ear. And now, God, as we are looking into your word, we are anxiously awaiting what you have to say for us. God, I pray that your spirit would have freedom to move in and amongst us. God, I pray that our ears would be attentive, and that, God, when we walk out of this place, we have heard from you. And, God, not only have we heard from you, but, God, I pray that you would give us the courage to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, may be seated. It starts off and it says, "Masters." Again, we understand and we know that we live in a context in which we do not necessarily have masters and slaves. That's not occurring in our culture. In the time in which Paul wrote this, there were slaves and he's not saying that slavery is good. That's not what he's, he's attending to. He's just dealing with the culture as it is and in the formats in which the business was run during that time. So here we are, we find ourselves understanding and looking. If you have people who work underneath you, then he says, treat. I like the, the King James on this one because it actually says, give. Give to your servants. Give to your slaves. The New King James translated it the same as give as well. And here's, here's the tension, here's, the, here's where I wanna move. If I'm going to give you something, it was gonna cost me something, isn't it? If I'm going to give, it's going to make me go out of my way to actually do something special, to give, to treat. Here's what he's doing. He's setting the tone and setting the atmosphere for you. To do the next couple things that he's asking you to do, to do justly and to treat them fairly, it's going to be above and beyond the industry standard. Did you catch that? The industry standard is not your goal. You are to give, you are to move above and beyond what the industry says this is the normal way of living. Now, he says, you're gonna do this, and he gives you the basis, he says, because you have a what? A master, where? In heaven. The great reminder is this, is that the reason we do what we do is because we've been given a God, and a God says this, I love you and I want to be in relationship with you and in being in relationship with you. I'm gonna put you in a place of authority. I'm gonna put you in a place of leadership. And when I do, I want you to remember that you're not there just because you're just that darn good. Right? You're not there just because you are just super special. You're not there because you're good looking. You're not there because you have money. You're not good because you're there because you have that much smarts and wisdom. Let me just help you out. You ready? You're in that position because God put you in that position. Because you have a boss in heaven who actually says, I want you to move in this place. Now, here, I'm going to help you out again. You ready? There are people underneath you who actually are far smarter than you. That's fair, isn't it? There are people who could actually do the job that you're put in the position to do. They could do it way better than you. So you're not there because you're just that good or you're just that smart. You're there because God moved you up there. Are you with me now? Yeah. You're there because God gave you that position. And because God gave you that position, now he's calling you to a higher standard. Not the industry standard, but he says, I want you to do something very very simple. Just and Fair. Just and fair. Okay, now here's, here, here's where I attempted to go with this. I attempted to outline all of Paul's philosophical thoughts on being just and what that looks like and to to identify because I know leaders and if you are a leader today, what you're doing is you got your paper and your pen out and you're ready to write and you're wanting me to say, here's point one, point two, point three. Oops, I didn't do that one very well. Point four, point five, I am rocking four and five. That's good. Point six, Ah, I need to go back and work on it. And you're gonna walk out of here saying, sweet, I have a list and I'm good to go. I'm gonna work on number four or whichever one I said, number three and I'm good. The Holy Spirit did something different though. He called me to actually say, give them a passage. Give them a passage, 1 Peter chapter five. Please go over to 1 Peter five and let me show you what it looks like to to lead justly, doing the right thing, treating people right. Now here's this passage, this passage, let me just help you out. There's a difference between Paul and Peter. Paul is a very high type A personality. In being a type A personality, he is also a very deep thinker. He's an incredible mind, he's a great mind, he thinks through everything, he's very logical. If you do A and you do B, then you're gonna get C. And he lays out all of his verse, all of his letters in a very methodical manner. Here's the theological reasons, here's the the background, now here's what you're supposed to do with it, right? Very good thinker. Now, Peter on the other hand, he's an incredibly strong type A personality, But this guy doesn't ever think before he does. He jumps in both feet, he says things. He even, when there's a question answered, oh, 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 I know, I know. And he blurts out the answers. It doesn't matter if they're wrong, he's just in. Okay, so so two different types of leaders. So I don't know which one you gravitate towards. Maybe you are more the thinker, the logical, and that's where you go. But I also wanna show some of you, because I know some of you as leaders, Some of you actually leave like Peter. You just jump in and ye haul. here we go, lace them up, we're ready to ride. Now, Peter, on the other hand, here's what's gonna happen. Peter, in the Gospels, you see him very much sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. But in 1 Peter, now what you find is a very mature apostle. And Peter now is going to give you wisdom on how to lead. And he's writing to spiritual leaders. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, he's writing to spiritual leaders and he's saying, I want you to lead in a different way. I'm going to show you, here's what you, how you're supposed to lead. Now, let me just help you out because I know this is written to the church and it's also written to the church leaders. But because of the, the way we laid it out last week, do you remember the secular sacred divide and how we broke that up? And how that you can't say that this isn't the spiritual and this is. Here's what I wanna drive you to. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, your leadership is a spiritual leadership. 1 Peter chapter five, you ready? So I exhort you elder, one leader to another. As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, Peter's saying, I've, I've seen it. I walked with Jesus and as well I partake, I'm a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He's saying, in the future, I'm also going to be a part of this glory that's going to be revealed. Leaders, while you and I have not walked with Jesus Christ personally here on earth, with him physically being here, every day you are called to walk with Jesus in this book. And as you walk every day, you do partake of what the glory is to come. Are you following me? This is not something that you just do lightly saying, okay, that that church stuff is on the, you know, that's for church on Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I don't have to do it. You're called to walk every day with Christ to partake in his sufferings. Now watch, number two, now he begins to lay it out. Now here's how you lead. Now here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna give you one, two, three, four. I'm gonna give you the entire chapter very quickly. And here's what I'm gonna ask. Leaders, you wanna lead in a whole different realm? You wanna go to a whole nother level in your leadership? Here's what I would ask. I would ask for the sake of you, you as a leader, for the sake of your people, would you do yourself a favor and begin to memorize and meditate on 1 Peter 5? And as you do, you will find point after point after point on how your leadership needs to change, on what it means to live and do justly. Ready? 1 Peter 5, he says, verse 2, it says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. What does it mean to shepherd? You're going to have to lead. You see, you, you've never seen a cowboy among sheep. Cowboys are around cows. They lead and herd in a whole different way. As a shepherd, here's what's going to take. It's going to take you stepping down and getting amongst your people. We think as leadership as somebody who stands up and stays away from and who actually gets to tell everybody what to do. But a leader actually has to get in and among and around the sheep. You're gonna have to smell like the sheep. You're gonna have to get their stink on you. That means you're gonna actually walk among them. You're gonna touch them. You're gonna hear about their lives and you're gonna know about their lives and they're gonna share their lives with you. And now you actually care and protect and lead a whole nother level. You see, a shepherd has to lead in a way That he knows what's going on, he knows the pain, he knows the nourishment, the feeding, the the water schedule. He knows what they need, and now he's around them. Because he's around them, he can now lead them. Leadership is not getting to sit in a room and just make all the decisions and tell people what to do. Did you catch that? Because in our world, what we think, and even if you have DBU students, you're going to hear a lot about servant leadership But let me just say, servant leadership means you're going to have to actually get dirty. You're going to have to get among people and talk to them. Leadership is not just telling people what to do. Shepherd the flock of God. Then he goes on and he says something else. Watch what he says. He says that you are to exercise oversight. What is oversight? That's the actual management side of business. If you're a leader, you're called to oversight and give oversight. That means you do have to tell people what to do. You are going to pull them in. You are going to give administration. You are going to have to do that part of it. And that is the way in which you serve best in that position. Move on. Not under compulsion. Here's why you take leadership. Not because you're forced into it, but willingly as God would have you. Isn't that amazing? Just in case you have already forgot it since I've already said it. God puts you in there. So don't take it begrudgingly. Don't take the leadership because, oh, I just, I have to do it. But God would have you to be in that place. Not for shameful gain. Don't take the leadership position just to get money. Many times that's why we take leadership positions. I just want fame. I want people to say yes to me. I just need some more money. Don't take leadership for more money. Don't take leadership just because you want to do it. But take it eagerly, not to dominate over those in your charge. But to be an example. I love that. Be an example, walking, saying, hey guys, when I say this is we wanna do the right things, let me just demonstrate what I mean by right. I'm gonna do right in everything I'm called to do. Those values that hang on the wall, that's not just a value that we're just saying. We're actually gonna live that out. And I will show you firsthand what it means. I will be the leader that you need. I will be the leader by just being an example, by showing you here's how it's done. Here's why we do it the way we do. He continues on. He says, when the chief shepherd appears, you will be received the unfading crown of glory. Okay. Stop for just a minute. Does this blow your mind? When God says, I'm going to give you a leadership position. I'm going to allow you to be in leadership. And when you lead well, just so you know, when you lead the way I'm asking you to lead. I'm going to give you a gift. I'm going to actually bless you. And when I come back, I'm going to give you a crown just to say, good job. Isn't that amazing? What an incredible God. He says, you lead, you lead the way I'm asking you to lead. I'll bless you and I'll give some things for you. Now keep going. And then he walks through and he says, when I come back, this is what's going to happen likewise. And he walks through the rest of the passage and the rest of the chapter. And he now says, leaders, be careful. Satan's out to destroy you. 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 If he can get a Christian leader to fall, then everybody underneath will say, oh, I don't want that. Satan's walking around as a roaring lion. So here's what you need to do. Instead of getting cocky and built up saying, wow, I'm in this position. I am so good. Instead of saying, wow, look at the business. Because I got here, man, the business is just getting better and better. Why don't you humble yourself? Because Satan's ready to destroy you and humble yourself and say, God, I need you to show up in my life. You ready? And then he ends with this. Go to verse 10. It says, and after you suffer for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. There might be some leaders in here and you are weary by your leadership position. You're tired, you're worn out. Can I just say, be faithful? And when you are faithful, you can come to a God who says, I'm with you. You suffer for a little while, but I will establish you and I will encourage you and I will build you back up. What an incredible promise. That's leading at a whole nother level, isn't it? 1 Peter 5, I'm gonna ask you and I'm gonna challenge you. You read that every day this week. Read it every day this week, 1 Peter 5. And you begin to see how you've, You live this out. Now you go back to Colossians. Go back over to Colossians with me and let me finish this off. So Colossians, he says, treat your slaves justly and fairly. So justly, go to 1 Peter 5, that helps you out. Now you're back in Colossians 4. Now he says, fairly, you ready? Let's talk. What does it mean to be fair above and beyond? How do you treat somebody fairly? What does that look like? Okay, let me help you out. You go back to the end of the verse and it says, Because you have a master in heaven. So the standards, God. So, how has God treated you? Has God treated you fairly? Has He? If you were to receive fairness from God, what would you get? Any thoughts? What would it be? You know what it would be? I'm a sinner. I'm an enemy of God. I deserve death. Eternal punishment, separation from God. That's what I deserve. That would be the most fair thing in the world that God could give me. So has God treated you fairly? He went above and beyond, didn't he? How did he go above and beyond? He says, while you were my enemy, I still loved you. Jesus, I'm gonna send Jesus to live perfect, to die on the cross, to pay for your sins. And now you can live forgiven. You just trust me, believe in me, walk with me, and now you're forgiven. Do you know what it's called? Grace. It's called grace. So how, how do you and I lead as a believer who's been shown so much grace, how do you and I treat people fairly? Well, let's see, it starts with treating people differently. What do you mean treat people differently? Well, you might have one lazy worker and one really hard worker. You don't treat them the same. You do what? The Bible says the worker is worthy of his pay. You bless and go above and beyond to bless the one who's working. You do extra for them. You treat them differently. Now here's, here's something else. You ready? Let me show you another fairness. To treat people fair, one of the gracious, most gracious things that you can do is to invest in them, invest in them training, give them training, give them opportunities, challenge them, say, hey, I wanna send you to this conference, I wanna wanna build you up. But but Heath, if I'm I'm that gracious and I, I give them that much training, what happens if they leave? You ready for this? People leave. People are gonna leave, they're gonna leave you they're going to leave you no matter how good a boss you are. So you don't do it because they're going to leave or because they're going to stay. That's selfish. You do it because God has been so gracious to you. You say, I'm going to build into their life. I want to build into their life. And when they leave, when they leave, here's what I want them to be able to say. When they leave, I want them to be able to say, man, I am so glad that I had that time under that boss because I learned so much. And when they leave, they leave knowing that there's a boss that's greater and you serve somebody that's higher. And then you're not just in it for the money, that you're not just in it for anything else. You're in it because God has blessed you and you wanna do something for the sake of the kingdom. Do you see the difference? Now, just in case you're the type of person that needed the notes to actually be able to walk out of here really and feel like you accomplished something today, here, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna give you three points. I'm going to give you three points so you have three points so at least you can say, this worked. Okay, this is good. Okay, you ready? Three points so that you can remember, so that you can play on this and walk walk through this. Number one, leaders, your pursuit. Your pursuit of God, your pursuit of God is more important than your vision. Your pursuit of God is, is more important than your vision or your dream. Phil Vischer, the guy who created VeggieTales. How many of you have seen VeggieTales? Okay, this isn't that awesome. Bob the Tomato, Larry the Cucumber. Love those guys, man. I I, I can say most all the VeggieTales because I have them playing in, my, in the back of our van all the time. I haven't seen one in I don't know ages, but I can quote them. VeggieTales, love them. Now. Let me just give you some some information about VeggieTales. You ready? And in a three-year period, the big idea company, that's the company that created VeggieTales, went from $1.3 million in revenue a year to $44 million a year in revenue in a three-year period. That's an incredible growth, isn't it? Now, Phil then continues, and he's talking about his business and what happened and what was going on. And then he continues, he says, in one lawsuit against VeggieTales, Phil, quote, says this, Phil says this, quote, 14 years of work flashed before my eyes, end quote. The company no longer exists, it's over. He had to sell it, sell everything, get rid of it, it was done. Phil and his brokenness goes to church, he hears a message, and this is what he re- remembers from the message, and he puts it in quotes, and here's what he says. He says, if God, quote, if God gives you a dream, listen up, leaders. If God gives you a dream, and the dream comes to life, and God shows up in it, and then the dream dies, it may be that God wants to see what is more important to you, the dream or God, end quote, quote. Leaders, your pursuit of God is the number one most important thing that you can go for. It's the number one thing that your company needs. It's the number one thing that your people serving under you need. They need you pursuing God more than they need your vision. Here's what Phil says after he's gone through this and here's what he writes. You ready? Quote, the impact God has planned for you The impact God has planned for you does not occur when you're pursuing impact. It occurs when you're pursuing God. And at long last, after a lifetime of striving, God is enough. Not God in impact or God in ministry. Just God, end quote. Some of you, maybe even our DBU students who are surrendering to go into ministry, Let me just say, it is not your vision that is the most important. It is God and him alone that's the biggest impact. That is the biggest thing that you need to be pursuing and going after. Number two, leaders, you ready? Number two, God has ordained this moment for you to do something for his kingdom. God has ordained this moment. Right now, God has ordained this moment for you to do something for his kingdom. If God can raise up leaders and put them in places of position and power, And God can put those leaders anywhere he wants. And if you find yourself in leadership, understand it's God who did it and understand that in just a moment's time, you ready? In a moment's time, your platform can be removed. You can be removed from that position and it's over. Just because you're a leader for this moment does not mean that you will be the leader in the next moment. Did you catch that? Because you're the leader in this moment, God has ordained you in this moment to do something for his kingdom, not for your sake. You are not a business leader. You're not a leader. You're not in authority because you need more cars, boats, businesses. The reason you are in that position is so that God can extend his kingdom, period. That is it. Number three, you ready? Number three, and we're ending, your leadership reflects who is leading you. Who's leading you? Is it you, your dreams, your visions? Or as a leader, would you be able to say that it is God who's leading me? You see, it's a gospel problem. It always comes back to the gospel and our understanding of the gospel. If you understand what God has done for you and you understand what God has done by his grace to put you in the place to save you, to bring you to this point, then you understand that it's easy to say, God, you put me here. You called me to be just. You called me to be fair. I want to be above and beyond the industry standard. How are you leading? How are you doing?